Welcome to a new episode of the Retail Podcast by Bureau.ai. Today, we're talking about the rising focus on everyday jewelry and how people are incorporating it into their daily wardrobes. One brand that's gotten it right and cemented itself as a key player in the space in India is Carrot Lane. Carrot Lane was founded in 2008 with the objective to make beautiful jewelry accessible, affordable, and forever wearable, essentially giving women access to modern, fine jewelry that was also wearable every day. I'm very excited to have Avnish Anand, the co-founder of Carrot Lane, a Tanish brand, on the podcast today. Welcome, Avnish. Hi, Akra. Very pleased to be here. Super. So, Avnish, I've been reading up about, you know, the Carrot Lane story, and you briefly talked about how the idea for the brand was born. Um, you know, after speaking to hundreds of women across the country, you found that there was a common dilemma that women faced, which was picking between expensive jewelry for special occasions or having to choose between everyday jewelry that was of inferior quality and not keeping up with the pace of um, most of their changing lifestyle. So tell us a bit more about that. How did you build up an idea and how did you take it from, um, you know, just this feedback from women to a big business idea? So actually, I'll tell you the, uh, the seed of this idea uh, came in Mithun's mind, right? Mithun is the founder and the CEO of Carrot Lane. So Mithun comes from a jewelry family. Right? They have been in the jewelry business for generations now. And uh, so there are three things which kind of, uh, you know, came together for him to start Carrot Lane. The first one was that he was seeing that in India, the entire focus on jewelry was on the higher price points. You know, everybody who was investing in design was making jewelry only at the higher price point. So in that sense, it was very undemocratic. You know, the way Southwest started by saying that we want to make everybody fly, right? Not only the premium flyers. So that was thought number one. Second, uh, he was also studying in America and he was working over there in the jewelry business. And he was starting to see how technology and digitization was kind of starting to, you know, take over businesses, right? This is early, mid 2000s. Okay. Uh, and obviously, because he comes from a jewelry family, he has, you know, a lot of other family and friends in the business. So he had a sense of how things were kind of turning, right? The third thing was that from a business model point of view also, he found that Indian jewelry businesses were very, uh, you know, inefficient. They were based on having, you know, large amounts of inventory and uh, uh, the marketing models is based on doing VTL and people walking into a store. It's a very capital intensive and very inefficient way of doing a business. It works at a certain level for a certain number of stores, but it's not something where you can build a large business. So actually, these three things, right, which is to make beautiful jewelry at lower price points, to make an efficient business, and to create a digital business. So they kind of, you know, if you think about it, they feed into each other. And that was how the genesis of Carrot Lane happened. And he came to India and he uh, met Gopal who ran a software company. So the two got together. Then they kind of wanted some more people to join and help build the business. So that's how I got in touch with them. And that's how it started. In fact, initially we were very keen on uh, solitaires because that was what was kind of taking off in America. But we quickly realized that it couldn't just be a solitaire business and it had to be jewelry also. Uh, 
and the reason we wanted to do solitaire was uh, because it was very commoditized and it's easy to sell it digitally online right it's very specification driven so that's how it all started in 2008 obviously and uh, if you would recall or if you, and actually we started work in 2007 itself that was a time when there was no amazon or flipkart also extra so you can understand that it was the craziest idea in that at that point in time to sell jewelry online so yeah in that sense it was a hard problem then and it continues to be a hard problem today but i would say yes we have made some progress absolutely and i think you know you brought two very interesting points there because obviously as a shopper myself when i look at the brands that i had access to even 10 years ago you're right in that it was always brands from um you know large marketplaces or just too much inventory not knowing what to choose from not really understanding the quality or having enough education about it myself to do any more research so i feel like all of those things just made women very wary of buying jewelry online at that time so i think you know you're absolutely right and that does bring me to you know my next question because i feel like it's amazing that the brand has seen such success in a little over a decade because today i feel like consumers and shoppers are a lot more open to everyday jewelry as a concept and you know you're also seeing the rise of so many independent homegrown brands in india that are making everyday jewelry a real thing but like you said you looked at this category at time when even people thought of jewelry as a very elusive kind of high end item and something that was quite occasion driven right so can we talk a little bit more about how um, you know how were you able to change the mindset of so many women that are now drawn to this style of jewelry but back then they might not have been so open to it but how how are you able to over this time change the mindset um, of women uh, to look at something that's more everyday wearable but still high quality see i'll tell you that uh, it's been a very gradual process and uh, in the early days it used to be really hard you you know you literally used to chase each and every individual customer to get an order and uh, you know i remember there was one lady from chennai we were in chennai then who wanted to buy a pair of earrings for her daughter and you know i literally uh, went with her to three chennai stores we took the price from those stores then i showed her our price i spoke to her daughter and i finally convinced her so you can imagine the amount of effort it used to take in the early days to get one order right uh, so that's how things started right so you literally i would say hustled for every single order but the good thing was that it was such a new thing right like somebody who just found that okay there was this really beautiful lovely jewelry for 25000 or 20000 or 15000 rupees that slowly it spread from there right and uh, i think there was obviously a lot of people who came back and bought again but even then we also had you know issues like people a lot of people used to think that how can it be real jewelry because you can't get real jewelry of this kind of this size at this price point right and uh, so you know if you think about buying jewelry online it's like you know it's like uh, running through an obstacle course you know there are issues about trust and quality and paying online and whether the design is right whether it's genuine or not you know and you also have the strong pull of your local jeweler even if you overcome that you know jewelry is something which you buy as a family right so we have seen so many cases that one person is convinced and they want to buy carat lane but it could be the wife the mother the husband but the other partner or the other person or the family which is involved in it would be pulling them away that let's not do it 
but what has been um, the single biggest reason why we have come to this stage has been the fact that the jewelry has done the job you know in the sense that if you did a survey today uh, and you ask people why they buy carat lane or why have they uh, you know why they like carat lane i think the first five reasons would all be about the design of the jewelry right and the fact that it's not just pretty looking it's lightweight and affordable and so on and so forth so it's finally the jewelry which did the job and even then you know till 2015 we were still not so big the real growth and the real leap started to happen after the tanish partnership and from there on you know that helped a lot in the trust problem and then we kind of added a lot of other layers to the business stores and digital and more merchandise and more kind of designs and changes in marketing and then it has kind of taken off from there but so yeah so the thing which has worked the most has been the jewelry itself which is why when people talk and say you are a digital company and an omni channel company we have to keep correcting them that we are first a jewelry company yeah absolutely and you know i think um, the point you made about design is really interesting because like i told you earlier i was actually a part of uh, you know the carat lane show around the same time last year for the valentine day campaign with my mom and uh, i'd had your team over at my place shooting and i couldn't help notice um just how light the jewelry was right i i had a bracelet i had a pair of earrings i had a necklace but i literally feel, felt like there was no jewelry on me and yet it was a piece that really stood out um and i don't think it's something that people would m- maybe know very easily or understand until they touch and feel the item or see it but given that you know um the pandemic happened after that and obviously a lot of your sales must have gone online how did you bring about you know that education around jewelry and you know making sure that this is something that is a very easy yet um uh yet you know it's 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 an easy yet lightweight and everyday investment that women can make in you know in their wardrobe so if i understand your question correctly akshara you are saying that how did you uh, manage to educate people that this is nice jewelry right which they yeah, would want to buy just like every day because i remember i remember uh, noticing the quality but also realizing how easy it would be to wear every day right that was the first thing that struck me when i wore the pieces in my in my hand and um, so i was thinking this is something i would see in reality i'd be able to actually experience and touch and feel the jewelry but for those who couldn't during the pandemic um how were you able to kind of bring that education that this is still you know a very lightweight easy piece was it through you know your marketing campaigns or how did you do that okay so i'll tell you that uh, before uh, i just want to add one more point to that you know that the when you talk about the jewelry uh, there is obviously the design but there is also another very important part which most people don't realize there is actually a lot of uh, innovation which goes into the manufacturing so you know i don't want to get too technical but there are lots of manufacturing uh, uh, innovative manufacturing which has gone into the way we make our jewelry uh, which is what makes it so light and yet sturdy but you know the funny thing is that uh, like i said right that uh, because it's so light and uh, less expensive that a lot of people feel that it's not real okay because it's so light a lot of people also have this feeling that it might be very flimsy and it will be break it will break so while you're still solving those problems it kind of still creates more reasons to doubt it also okay uh so the second thing is that you know because we were digital from the beginning 
at least we got a lot of reach you know a lot of people saw the jewelry and they kind of at least used to come and browse but it had always uh, been a problem of converting so from the beginning we used to get a lot of eyeballs if i may say but conversion was always hard and it started to really take off after we got our store model right right where people could come and see and feel and start buying uh, then obviously we had a try at home model which really helped us a lot again for the same reasons and slowly as the base started to build right then we saw that you know the repeat buying the word of mouth also started to kick in Uh, then the tanish partnership obviously helped because then there was more assurance on the quality and the uh, manufacturing and so on and so forth in the pandemic i would say that see what's really worked for us i would say is that there has been a general change in the mindset of the customers right not just because of our category but every category people who would have never bought anything online have all been forced to buy online we have also seen that a lot of our customers who had always bought in a store have started to buy online which has also been helped by the fact that many people have started to make payments online because of upi uh so i think it is a combination of you know change in behavior because of the pandemic plus change in payments because of the pandemic also a certain mass right when you have in your business then there is more word of mouth and more trust which builds and you know we have also worked on things like getting our imagery right although it's still there is enough room for improvement over there we have a video service which has helped us a lot and i think you know the there's another thing which most e-commerce brands don't do but we have to do because of the nature of a category there's a lot of assisted selling which happens i don't think you would have experienced any e-commerce category where somebody sells to you right other than insurance possibly right it's always for support and service so having a large sales team in place not just in the stores but even online right the people who do tele sales or chats or whatsapp they also help in uh, you know addressing issues which a lot of customers have and uh, obviously helping them transact and helping overcome their issues so it's you know it's still a big problem i would still say that if you know if you did the math right how many people come and browse and you know really shortlist products as compared to that how many finally transact it's still a tiny number so which is why i don't say that we have really solved that problem we are i would still say that we are kind of scratching the surface and there's a long long way to go you know and honestly uh, you know the the small jeweler still continues to be very strong for a lot of reasons right like chennai is one place right i'm sure you still have your i don't know whoever is your jeweler gt or prince or wherever you still go there right so we have not been able to convert a lot of people right who stay in places where they are still close to their family jeweler right or they still buy with their family it's still a hard problem for us to solve and it will take some time right because there are certain things that the family jeweler can provide which we still can't do you know it's interesting um i wanted to talk about two things that you mentioned one was you were talking about um you were just talking about you know the problems that you have in terms of convincing the customer about the quality sometimes so even though there is innovation there's also again a question of is this real um and i think that's something that uh you know i think that's something that's interesting because jewelry is also a category that people have only now started buying online right very rarely would you see people swipe yeah. 25000 for something um you know many years ago even a decade ago so um there's also that trust factor and that authenticity factor when it comes to jewelry people would still buy clothes and maybe shoes online but again jewelry is not something that 
you always want to see it. So um, even in terms of uh, just the information that's available online, right? Like how particular, um, how much of a point do you make? Uh, or rather, let me rephrase this. How, um, how specific are you around the product information online? Like how much um, attention is paid to all of that? I'd love to speak a little bit more about stuff like that. See, we have done everything which we could or rather can, right? We have had policies uh, in this category like return in exchange from the very beginning. Yeah. We have a one-year warranty, right? You can do a lifetime exchange. All of this is just to build customer confidence, right? In addition to that, all the information which can be made available about the product, right? Each type of diamond, what is the weight, the gold weight and everything. There has been certification from the very beginning, right? Uh, and all of that was to build confidence in the mind of the customer, right? In addition to that, whatever other forms of content which you can create, right? Whether it's a making video or more information about the technique, we do that. But, you know, the thing is that uh, it's still uh, a category where, uh, you know, the, the codes of how trust is created, no, is still something, if you think about it, why do you trust your family jeweler, right? Because you have possibly been buying for two, three generations, right? And because this is a category where there is so much scope for fraud, right? Which is how, you know, Tanish benefited from that, right? Because when they introduced the carrot meter, everybody thought that, no, this is the most trustworthy brand because this purity of gold, right? But I'm sure that a lot of people have been fooled by a lot of jewelers because it's not been pure, right? What they have bought. And because of lack of, you know, transparent standards, right, where everybody could comfortably and confidently buy, people have resorted to the only option which they have is to buy from the same person where they have been buying from, right? So that's the, you know, a very strong ingrained muscle memory in the mind of every Indian customer that just go to your trusted person because that's the only thing which you can trust or depend on. So we are fighting that big, you know, uh, behavior change, right? Uh, so you might like the design, like I said, right? But people still feel, you know, there is somebody in the family who would still not be convinced and who would still convince you to go and buy from the family. So it's a very hard problem. And, you know, we keep trying to find more and more ways of addressing issues. And I think that, uh, you know, the other thing which has actually helped a lot is the urban migration, right? So I'm sure if you move to Bombay and you didn't have the, you know, the comfort of buying from GRT, right? With your mom. And you had to buy something, you did something and you just, you know, felt good about it and you wanted to celebrate that, right? Then there's a greater chance that you might just buy it from Carrot Lim, right? And we see that because of which, you know, uh, places like Bangalore do so well for us, right? And even within the city, you know, uh, the catchments or the areas where, which are more uh, like, you know, the urban migrant areas, those are the ones which do better for us. And I think slowly India is also changing, right? It's becoming a more consumerist society where people don't think too much of spending, you know, you go out for an evening and you end up spending 15,000, right? So being present in those price points and creating, you know, that emotion that, you know, you feel joy in spending that and feeling good about yourself. Those are the things which have worked for us. So it's still like fighting against a very strong tide. But by creating these elements, right, you are kind of being able to overcome that. So on the education part, I think we have done a lot. There's a lot of information available on Google. But, you know, finally, when you're still trusting your local jeweler, it's still going to be very hard. And I don't think they are going to tell us, tell their customers that you 
go and buy from carrot lane right even though you can have all the certification and the hallmarking and everything but those are also things which i don't think everybody understands very well right like the way you would understand how to gauge quality for an electronics product for example yeah absolutely and you know you were um, talking about the urban migration and it's so true because um i think the other thing is um a lot more women are also looking for very like modern light jewelry to wear to work every day um you're not going to take out a temple jewelry piece and wear it to work but you're going to wear you know maybe a delicate bracelet or a really light chain that you can wear every single day i feel i feel people like me or uh, you know my age group would uh, probably benefit from buying a piece like that because a lot of people even at their weddings get really chunky heavy very expensive jewelry that's just stocked away so they'd rather um, you know use something that's i think more wearable in, on a, on a daily basis and i think the other thing um, you know that's important for uh, probably the millennial and gen z population is kind of the experience itself both the store experience as well as the online experience and um, i know for a fact that uh, you know you have live services virtual try ons video consultations with experts and you're trying to personalize every part of the customer journey so um, in this space like what kind of role does technology play and are you you know actively investing in technology for these experiences i want to tell you something and then i'll come to that because you sure. touched upon another point sure you know there is a uh, you know there is a, uh, i'll give you an example right there is a product called a mangal sutra right you call it a thali in uh, chennai right and it's a it's something which is very indian right like i think across most communities a mangal sutra is a very popular product and everybody wants to get that right and it's also a very traditional thing right where you get it for your marriage and it's typically a very old fashioned design and most young women of today don't wear it a lot right they would take it out during a special occasion and they would wear it right so you know there it's a it's a very popular category like almost everyone has at least one some people have more than one also uh so how does a brand like carrot lane get into the mangal sutra business right uh because you know it's something which uh the younger woman right who's more likely to be a customer is not interested in that design right also if you think about it that we can never compete with a grt or a tanishk or all these big players right in the mangal sutra category if you do the traditional design so what we did is that we made something which we call the modern mangal sutra which kind of you know unites east and west in that sense right the struggle between the mom and the daughter or the mother in law and the daughter in law right the tension which is there it kind of brings them to one common ground it makes sure that there are enough black beads that technically it satisfies the mom or the mother in law but it is modern and lightweight enough that the daughter or the daughter in law would want to wear it because it's very modern and it will go with a lot of modern things which they wear so you know and therefore the innovation in design or manufacturing which can make the model mangal sutra then makes it and it makes it a an area where carrot lane can be competitive because then you are changing you know the playground because then that's a it's not the same playing field where you're competing with grt and tanesh and everybody else now you've created a new playing field and so you know that's an example of how we keep trying to find these niches 
where we can be competitive where our design differentiation helps us and where we are able to you know make both the customers happy right the older generation or the traditional person as well as the modern younger person so that's an example of how we have done things uh, akra to make sure that it kind of makes all the constituents of the customer happy okay second i'll talk about technology see uh, i know you would want to know more about personalization and i'll come to that but other than that also see we have always been a digital business right so in terms of the first piece of technology which we obviously had was a commerce platform right uh, and then we have kept evolving right now we have a responsive website and earlier there used to be some other whatever latest technology was there and we have an android app and we have a an iphone app right so that's one piece of technology then obviously you have things like the erp for supply chain etc which is obviously uh, very important in addition to that then to uh, you know to make sure that your sales teams do well we have actually built our own retail application our own internal crm which is very customized for our category you know we have done a lot of things because we first looked at everything which was available right all the big and small players which are there in the crm space and we decided that we wanted to build our own thing right which helped our sales people sell okay uh then coming to the part about personalization you know it's a it's you know similar to imaging that if you are able to solve the problem really well then it really helps but it is an incredibly hard problem to solve uh we have tried a lot of you know ml ai data science companies which offer product recommendations for example but other than one which is a visual uh, matching tool none of them have really worked well for us and it i think it owes to the fact that jewelry is not very standard the even the you know the language of jewelry is different across different parts of the country it's a very very visual category right so you know how you isolate the uh, elements of design in a visual way and then use that for recommendation is very hard as compared to recommending books or recommending fashion right uh, even in fashion for example at least the language is very standardized right it's an a line dress right yellow color and things like that the material so we have continued to invest and we will continue to invest till the time we solve the problem very well uh, i don't think we have reached a stage where a lot of the personalization problems have been fully solved and that is just on the you know the making sure that the technology is right for you right but i'll tell you there is another important part uh which is that if you think about personalization right who are you competing against you are again competing against the family jeweler right when you sell fashion you are not competing against the family fashion retailer right there is no family fashion retailer right you are competing with other fashion retailers right who are all using technology right to recommend and it's anyways a simple category when you are in the business of jewelry you are competing with the family jeweler right your family jeweler knows you for three generations he knows all your quirks right that she likes her rubies like this or she has a odd ring size it's as personal she... as it can get yeah so and you know the family jeweler does not use technology they use human technology right because and they can manage because you know they have possibly 500 customers or 1000 customers right so for 1000 customers they know everything inside out they know all their quirks and preferences and 
so using their own ingrained human capability they can offer a great personalized experience right we are competing against that so even writing the use cases right what are the use cases of personalization it's not just a digital or a technology personalization right so uh, you know those are the things which we are trying to do so we are in the process of you know while we keep experimenting with various technology and digital pieces to get certain pieces right on search and recommendation and so on and so forth uh, even getting there are other problems around imaging etc and then we also are trying to you know kind of organize all these use cases right and now it's more complicated because now you have omni also right where the customer keeps jumping from one channel to the other right once they will consume something on whatsapp and then they will call you they will go to a store then they will open an email so that creates another level of complexity and you want to offer this nice personalized experience competing with what a family jeweler can offer right so it's a fairly complicated problem but the beauty is that you also know that the family jeweler cannot go beyond 500 customers right so if you can get your use cases right if you can really map out your customer journeys beautifully accordingly you start collecting data right only when you know all your journeys properly right and then you know what data points are required to you know tailor that journey you know even language you know it's so important you know if i sell to i'm saying not even your mom imagine i'm selling to your grandmother i don't know whether i can just do it by just having everything written in english right vernacular is such an important thing right and vernacular doesn't just mean that the website should be in tamil if she talks to somebody that person should be able to talk to her in tamil and chat with her in tamil right so you need to build those capabilities also right and it's not just translation right if i have a collection which says tango then i possibly need to figure out that also in tamil right whatever is my tagline so personalization in our category is a massive opportunity because then you can really compete with each and every small family jeweler because you can you know you can scale and provide consistent experience because of technology but you have to first crack all the codes right and i think that technology is also getting better so we tried a virtual thing right which you are aware of it didn't work very well it was like 5 6 years back and now also technology has while it's advanced a lot but it doesn't work on our kind of jewelry right if you have a big necklace you can do a virtual try on or you can do an ar vr right but it doesn't work when the product is this big so i think like it happens with technology every time right the initial technology is a little uh, unfriendly or bulky or uh, it doesn't solve the problem fully but it slowly gets there so we are confident that it will get there we are also therefore in that journey but you know we are not over investing or we don't go crazy that let's put in you know let's build a 100 member team to just create algorithms and create uh, personalization solutions because we want to make sure that our store technology our supply chain technology our design technology the browsing the marketing all of those pieces also get equal attention right and there are certain opportunities which you know you can quickly leverage right so then the prioritization and the investment in technology also is done like that right you know we are not like a crazy funded company that lets put in a lot of money on tech right uh, we are now at a stage where we want to make money right so we are prudent i would say but as and when technology is advancing and you know right we are doing some pilots over there as well that we want to uh, keep doing it without you know over committing to one part of technology essentially 
Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that you spoke about personalization because if you're looking at own a digital only business then it makes sense uh you know to say okay here we can just sign up with one technology and see how that works but i think given who you're competing with i don't think you can look at personalization as a digital only experience it's also about going to the store the relationship that they have with their existing jeweler so it's looked at at uh, in a lot more holistic way i think for jewelry um, but like you said they also can't go you know beyond 500 customers so i guess what technology offers here is uh really this be able to scale and have consistent yeah. experience absolutely um you know so just uh, i think we're almost to it uh, you know we're almost at the end of our podcast so i'd like to ask you one last question before you go um which is you know you're obviously um you know uh, jewelry as a category is constantly evolving um and in your experiences of late with your customers what are some of the patterns you're noticing what are people interested in uh, what do they keep coming back for and you know what matters to them most in the carat lane experience see uh, i think beautiful jewelry is one of those most eternal things right i think the as indians at least whatever i can see i think the desire and the joy of jewelry is still a very very strong emotion and a strong need you know it does not depend on what kind of woman you are and i'm saying woman because we largely make jewelry for women and not for men so that continues to be a very very strong thing right so i think that's going to keep driving our business right and we just need to keep creating more and more types of beautiful jewelry get into more categories right like you know we have a silver brand now with they started making brass jewelry we have a very uh, exciting thing which is on the uh, rental space for jewelry for example because we are seeing that that's one behavior which is changing right that people want experiences and they want don't want to invest so much you know they would rather have lots of great experiences and you know enjoy operating expense and less capital expense right if i can use a financial term so which is why we are in the process of rolling out something in the rental space in a limited manner it's an i would still call it an alpha stage so which is to kind of appeal to the younger more millennial i would not even say millennial gen z audience right uh, so that's one thing the other thing which you are also saying is that there is no reason why we can't go to smaller towns and convince you know the 60 year old grandmother also to buy so that's something which you are consciously working towards you know to improve the experience to a level uh by solving all the problems so that she can order jewelry for her grandkids who possibly live in the US today right and so therefore we are building all the pieces for that right that we have an international business we have a a very cool kids catalog so in that sense i think that there are multiple levers of the business which we are seeing expanding uh, so that we are going into small towns we are going overseas so there's geographical expansion uh, the type of customer also right the older woman also as well as the very younger woman right so i we have largely operated in the 28 to 45 space now we are saying let's go after the 60 year old as well as the 20 year old right uh, so that's happening and uh, i think other than that uh, in terms of types of jewelry i think it's not going to change so much immediately uh, but you never know right uh, I, i keep hearing and there are obviously people who are doing uh, experiments with different metals right there is uh, uh, tungsten and all of those types right so eventually we would want to get into that once it starts to become popular 
but so far i think the experiment is more on the silver side and brass and other metals through a brand called shaya so that's where you know these are uh, some of the thing which will keep driving the business as we go forward and obviously the old problems remain right trust and imagery and uh, people being comfortable buying so those problems are still there right i told you right our conversion is still not where we want it to be so we'll keep you know we want to build like a whole whatsapp commerce layer right because we see a lot of women who don't even come to the website you know they will send you a message saying i want earrings in 20k right and then somebody from our team would take screenshots and send them 20 options then she will say okay show me more like these so it's still a very uh, laborious process today but it's very high quality experience because those people love that experience you know it's very convenient right because you are not asking them to change their behavior it's, it's it's digital but not yet digital right because it's on whatsapp so how do we create a full fledged seamless experience on whatsapp so that you can then use that as a means to go after the slightly older women in smaller towns for example so those are things which are kind of in the works i would say it's very exciting because you know i think as you're widening your demographic i think you'd also have to widen the platforms that you experiment on and i yes. absolutely agree with you on whatsapp because i know for a fact that my mother and my mother in law love ordering on whatsapp and they are that demographic right very close to this yes so if they send a picture everything they order today is a screenshot of something they saw on instagram to that phone number and uh, as less as possible they probably want like too many interactions or too many touch points that they have to get through before they get the item so absolutely hear you there and uh, yeah i think this brings us kind of to the end of our podcast so thank you so much um, avnish because i think we learned a lot about carrot lane but more so about just how jewelry works because i don't i knew for a fact that jewelry would be a harder category to buy but some of the problems you pointed out are very um valid and legitimate around you know the trust and the authenticity the quality how people are buying so i think it's very interesting um, you know to learn and we're rooting for carrot lane we're hoping to see all these exciting things um, coming out of it so thank you so much once again for being on the podcast my pleasure akshara and uh, i really had a good conversation yeah i really enjoyed talking yeah. as well um so for those of you who want to listen to more episodes like this log into view.ai's retail podcast and you'll be able to get all the first hand information on how world class brands are building their business thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode bye